Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Uh, in my studies this week, as we're jumping into the Word, I ran across a word that we don't use very often in our everyday language, and that's handiwork. Handiwork. Now, we, we see handiwork, and I think we interact with it a lot, but we don't use that term that much anymore, right? So this idea of handiwork is, is kind of craftsmanship, it's, it's detail, it's creation, it's so many things. We see a, a master's hand at work, and we think often of the potter and the clay and how I have a picture here of my friend Dan Lee at work. He runs a pottery studio. He's a part of our Harrisonburg campus. Uh, but Dan is a potter, and so his handiwork is that he'll take a, a lump of clay and center it on the wheel, and with just the right moisture and just the right ingredients, he begins to form and craft fine pottery. And you can see the beginning, and as we have a photo of the end of some of the beautiful creation of the handiwork, handiwork of the potter. Woodworkers will take raw wood. It's, it's as if they have a vision for what's to be pulled out of this solid block of wood. What is it about us as people, as humans, that are attracted to this? I mean, yard sales are full of it, right? The 340-yard crawl is going to be full of handiwork and some junk, but lots of handiwork. What is it about us that loves that handiwork to see the craftsman, to see the craftsman's vision brought to life? I think today, I think that we relate to that story, that we relate to that desire to be brought forth, that we relate to that desire to create, to see something beautiful brought from maybe nothing. And so that's where we're going to go today in our series. As we have been journeying together in the series, What Now? We're going to kind of look at this idea of what's it for? And so I welcome you back to this series. We were looking together this summer the scriptures to discern God's plan and purpose for us as a church. As we've been together now, I think about 20, 21 weeks, something like that, we are trying to discern and hear from God's word. What's his purpose? What's his intent? Uh, as the church universal, we're seeing lives change every day, people restored, freedom found. We're seeing people come to know Jesus globally and right here within our own walls, which is a praise to the ministry of Jesus in our time. And so we're invited into that. God's redemption story is continuing, and he invites us in. So last week, you'll remember that we talked about zombies. Now, if you're new or visiting here today, that sounds like a stretch, but it's from the Scriptures. We started out in Ephesians 2 where Paul is talking about the walking dead. And so we talked about zombies in church. It was pretty cool. And so as we journey on, we looked at this reality of the living death apart from Christ, and we recognize our need to be called to be resurrected out of that realm of the walking dead. That is a popular TV show, but it's also a scriptural truth that we need to be called forth. And it's that calling. We looked at the word ecclesia in the Greek, and that calling is what it means to be the church, to be called forth out of the realm of the walking dead. 
And this reality is the core of who we are, is that we are in Christ. It's Jesus at the heart of it all. So what now? So what now, as this series continues, in light of this beautiful truth, this call to live in Christ, another question comes to the surface, doesn't it? What for? What for? We can look to the Scriptures and we can see how God has moved and the great pains He has gone through, and we celebrate that in communion, His broken body and His poured out blood. What for? Why? What's the, what's the purpose behind this marvelous, wondrous work of grace in our lives? The story goes of a young boy about 15 years old in the years 1850 in the United Kingdom. This young boy was feeling the conviction that day, been raised in a, a Christian home, but wasn't quite living the life that he was called to live. And he was on the way to his church that day, but it was cold, the weather was was really bad. The snow was blowing. So this young boy dips into a Methodist congregation there in the United Kingdom in the UK. And the pastor is proclaiming Isaiah 45, 22, which is look to the Lord and be saved. And as this preacher preached, he began to zero in on this young boy who had just found his way into that room. And at that moment, that young boy was converted. And Charlie Spurgeon came to know the Lord in that moment. And Charlie Spurgeon is one of the most well-read and most understood authors of all of history outside of the Scriptures. We can see clearly that God had a plan in that weather storm and, and that preacher preaching that message that day for Charlie Spurgeon to be saved. And just like Charles Spurgeon was saved for a purpose, you today have been saved for a purpose. We have been called together as His church for a purpose. Do we have a response? Do we have a response to that marvelous grace? I think Scripture gives us a resounding, clear yes and amen. And so today, as we jump into our series, What Now? We Get to Work. What Now? We Get to Work. If you have your copy of Scripture today, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, as we open up your word, God, may we open up our hearts to your leading. Lord, may we submit ourselves to the truth of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So as the Apostle Paul has opened up the door here to this idea of a purpose, that in one simple verse, he has answered, what for? That profound longing, that question that we have of, what is all this marvelous grace, the cross, what is all that for? Paul has unpacked that for us today. We can see in this verse the source, the nature of that purpose in Christ Jesus. So what now we get to work? As we begin to unpack our text today, um, you can see in this very beginning idea, for we are God's handiwork. We see the source of the originator of this grace, and that is in God. So we, we have this idea that we are His. You are God's workmanship today, friends. Right there in your life, as you are in Christ, you are His workmanship, His handiwork. 
The emphasis in the original language here that we would find in the Greek is that it's placing it on His. So the idea is that we are God's, and that's where the emphasis is, is that our belonging is to Him. We are His handiwork. If you took a more literal translation of the Greek there, it would say something like, His we are. And so the whole construction of the idea here is pointing to the, that we belong to God, that it's by His grace that we are saved. It's to Him we belong. And this word for in this sentence ties it together to all the preceding truth in chapter 2 of Ephesians. And so as we begin to unpack again verse 4 through 6, we read there, it says, But because of His great love for us, and so you'll remember that that but there at verse 4 is the transition point from the walking dead to new life in Christ. It says, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We see here that it was God's great love and His rich, bountiful supply of mercy that brought us, that caused Him to move, that caused Him to act on our behalf, to resurrect us, to call us forth from the realm of the walking dead. It was His initiative to save us. His provenient grace was the call that awakened our hearts, awakened our ears to hear the call of the Spirit. Calvary, the cross, what we adorn as jewelry or we have in our sanctuaries is the constant reminder that it is by God's grace that we have been called forth, that we are His people. And you hear in there that Paul reemphasizes, he stops his train of thought to say, it's by grace you have been saved. And grace is unmerited favor, unearned privilege, it's undeserved kindness. That's what saved us today. That's why we're God's. That's why we're His possession is because grace saved us. We get to share in Christ's victory in the cross over the powers of darkness, over the powers of the world. We are invited to share in Christ's victory. We are God's handiwork today, friends, and we have a purpose. Back in our text in verse 7, You read, in order that, so you hear purpose language there, right? You hear intent language, the what's for. In order that, in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are identified here as the living proof of just how gracious and good God is. That's good news today, friends. That's purpose. That's a mission we can live for, that we can build our lives around to be a display of God's grace and mercy in the world. Picking up in verse 8 and 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved. He brings this grace idea back, doesn't he? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If we didn't get the picture already through this text, Paul really doubles down here on this idea that it's by grace. The amount of repetition that we see here in this text must indicate that we need to hear it several different times in several different ways that we are God's handiwork, that it's not by merit, that it's not by good earnings, it's not by good works that we're saved, it's by God's grace. What he's done here in this text is he has shown us that there is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman in the kingdom of God. We are all made in God's image by his grace and by his mercy. 
for we are God's handiwork. What a joy that brings in our hearts today. What a celebration we can have in Christ Jesus, a praise that arises in our hearts that we belong to God, that we are His. He loves for us. He cares for us today. Not only do we belong to Him, but we're His masterpiece. You, today, right there, The God of the universe, the God of the seas and the stars and the beautiful sunsets and the full moon that's spectacular right now. You're God's handiwork today. By grace. By grace. As we look at this idea of handiwork, it comes, it brings with it the the idea of artwork, like a statue or a sculpture. It can also be of songs or of poems. The emphasis is that something has been created with a plan. The emphasis there is that there was a a creator that had a plan and a purpose, and that's God's handiwork. That's us today in Christ Jesus. Writer Rick Renner, when he's speaking of this idea and trying to convey it, he says it this way. The idea of God's handiwork, it emphatically means that on the day you got saved, God put forth his most powerful and creative effort to make you new. Once God was finished making you new, you became a masterpiece, skillfully and artfully created in Christ Jesus. There's nothing cheap about you at all. God's creative, artistic, intelligent genius went into your making. That's who you are in Christ Jesus today, friends. What a blessing to know not only whose we are, but quantitatively what we are in Christ Jesus No matter where we've come from, no matter what our backstory is, no matter what our reflection of the walking dead life looked like, we have new life in Christ. We're a masterpiece. We're part of His handiwork. Friends, this truth today has the power to set us free from our past. And it's not that our past disappears from our memory. That's not what takes place. But it's put in a different light that that was then. And we have a new life in Christ now. Because it's easy for our past to creep up on us and the enemy likes to throw that shame on us, doesn't he? He likes to throw that guilt on top of you. No matter, you're a new creation in Christ. We're God's handiwork, but here comes the enemy. You remember who you were. You remember that, how you used to act? And friends, I, I encounter this a lot. I, I remember I was out with a friend at McAllister's for lunch. and uh, I, So part of my story is I was in construction for a lot of years prior to getting into ministry and I ran into a gentleman that, that would have known me when I was probably, I don't know, probably 20 years old. And I know I'm only 23 today, but hey, it's, it's been a while. But I was somewhere around 20 years old, and that would have been at a pretty far place in my life. And I remember he was asking me, he said, you know, what are you doing now? Where have you been? I haven't seen you forever. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I got out of construction, and, and I'm pursuing ministry. And it was like I'm talking to a, a, your pet when the, your pet starts to cock their eyes and look at you funny. That's exactly what transpired because he knew the walking dead version of me. And at that moment, I realized how great God's grace was. And we can let those things keep us down. We can let those things tarnish the reality that we are God's handiwork. But the truth is that we are made new. We have been those things. And those things serve to remind us that but by grace, we're capable of any heinous sin that we would see. It's only grace that separates us. It's only grace that saves us. That powerful truth today that we are God's handiwork can set you free from that past today. It can set you free from that shame and that guilt. 
I'll never forget the way he looked when he said, you're a pastor? God's grace, brother. God's grace. And picking back up in our text, the writer says, we are created in Christ Jesus. And this idea of created brings us full circle back to the beginning of our text in chapter 2 where we began our existence dead, the walking dead. And this idea of created means to bring into existence from nothing, to, to call forth. And there we see that idea of the calling of Christ. And so that we are created in Him brings us full circle into the passage that God has created us from the realm of the walking dead, from walking zombies, He has created us to new eternal people, His new humanity in Christ Jesus. And this idea of being in Christ is not just a tagline for the verse. It was not just a throwaway idea to close out the sentence. But this idea of in Christ, it's where our eternal promise rests. It's where our hope for the hard days exists, isn't it? We are in Christ Jesus. We are created in Him. That's our sphere of influence. That's our sphere of inspiration is in Christ Jesus. And our text makes a transition here today from talking about whose we are and what we are in Christ, and he starts to begin to talk about the what for, the why. He resumes in our text and says, "...to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do." Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, so this is Sermon on the Mount, early in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus speaking, He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. So light, we, who's the light of the world? Jesus. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You hear purpose language in there. We're to let our light shine we're to let the grace and the mercy of Jesus in our lives shine to those around us through good works that they may too glorify our Father in heaven. So God's purpose in us is to do good works. If I'm honest today, I feel like we sometimes have the tendency to make this more complicated than it is, right? At least I do. I don't want to put that on you. On one hand, we can begin with this idea to think that works is how we earn our salvation. I've got to be a good person. I've got to stop doing this habit. I've got to stop saying these words. I've got to do these things and then I'll be good enough. But that's not the text. We've already seen that it's by grace. So we have that works righteousness idea on one hand and yet on the other we can fall into this trap. Well, if it's all by God's grace, if it's all by His leading, then what, what difference does it make how I live or act? I'm forgiven. We have this tendency to split at this idea of good works to think it's either we're earning it or it doesn't matter anymore, but the truth is somewhere in the middle there. If you would imagine with me for just a minute trying to row a boat. Sorry for all the water analogies. If you do life with me very long, we're, just, we're fishing all the time. So we're, we're in a boat today. If you imagine rowing a boat with two oars, you're sitting in the center of a raft or a canoe, whatever your preference is. If in one hand you have an oar, this oar is faith. And our other or is works. If we lead into this idea that if we only churn our faith, that if we're only doing what we believe, if we're only leaning into that truth and not letting that faith come through us, if we're not engaging works, we're just going to row in a circle, aren't we? We're going to row this way and just row into a circle to our left. Well, if we put that oar down and we start working on works, boy, I mean, we're doing all the good things. We're serving. We're just going to go in a circle the other way. But the beauty, when you can grab faith and works and row in tandem, when we can hold those things in tension, then we go forward. That's this. 
that we hold these two faith and works. We're saved by faith and grace, but yet we have to respond in good works. Jesus had no trouble holding these two ideas together, did he? If you read in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You see a relationship there. A vine to the branch. As you look at a grapevine, it's hard to tell where the branch and the vine meet. There's a merger there. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What's fruit? Good works. Go to Paul's listing of the fruits of the Spirit. That's what our lives should produce. Apart from me, apart from that life-giving connection to the vine, you can do nothing. We just need to live into this simple truth that our faith should produce through us good works. And again, it's, it's sometimes easy if you're a list person, if you're a, a you know, make a list and check it twice kind of person, it's easy to get hung up on the what we're to do, right? Seems like a determined search might be in order. Let's form a committee because, hey, churches like committees. Let's just be honest. Let's form a committee. Let's create a survey. Survey Monkey will email you a good one. Let's get a phone call campaign because Terry loves making phone calls. Pastor Terry is a smiling, dialing champ. So let's make a phone call campaign. Let's get the list of deeds that be done. Let's take an offering. Let's make an announcement and let's go. Right? Let's do something. But then within that, we find this pressure that we have to go seek that stuff out, don't we? And we can get lost in that anxiety. What am I supposed to do? What if I didn't get the list right today? Friends, there's a great truth that we find in this last portion of the passage that God has prepared them in advance for us. We can take our deep breath of exhale knowing that God has prepared the works before us. We have to just live into it. We don't have to make it an anxious search about what we're going to do. We can just live into it. Our call is to live in that vital union where we receive the grace and the mercy from the vine of Christ and we allow it to produce fruit in our lives. You don't see an apple tree or a peach tree or a grapevine just struggling and grunting to produce fruit. They just do it because they're flowing. They're producing. They're living as they are created to be. And that's our call in Christ Jesus, to allow our lives to produce fruit, good works. So what now? We get to work. Individually, together as the body of Christ, our call is to get to work. We must embrace this call to good works, to walk in that order that God has prepared before us. What does that look like in your life today? What does that look like in your Monday through Friday? What does good works sound like? Who does it look like? You are a beautifully and wonderfully made masterpiece of grace, created for a purpose to do good works. What opportunities are in your everyday life right now? As you sit here and reflect today, can you look back on this past week and maybe think of an opportunity, something that God was up to in your, your sphere of influence, your walk? Do you see a good work there? Maybe a starting place for us today as God's people is to pray every day 
to pray in faith that God has good works before each and every one of us, before we ever step foot out of the house. Maybe our good works start before we ever step foot out of the bed. What would happen if we woke up every day and we said this simple prayer, Lord, show me who I can help today. No matter my plans, no matter what's on my agenda, how do you want me to work in my world today for your glory? Now you shorten that up, you make it yours. But there's this idea that we're taking a step in faith to say, Lord, your good works are before me today. Help me to live into them. God's opportunities show up in a lot of random places, don't they? Amen. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's a coworker that's struggling. Maybe it's the person you see struggling to load their car at Walmart or to get the bag of trash out of the back of their car over here at the Elkton Dump. Has God been asking you, pressing on your heart to volunteer, to serve, to help a neighbor or a friend? Or maybe has your schedule been pushing you back from realizing that call? Maybe. Maybe you're the first person that your waitress has seen all day that wasn't rude to them. Good works. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's grace and compassion. One area in my own life, and this is for me, this is my journey. I feel God calling me to good works in the area of caring for creation. For caring for creation. I was at the park over here the other week, Merck Park, right behind the church, and uh, I'll go there to pray or to just find a couple minutes of quiet. And the other week I was there and I was going to one of the rope swings there. And, and I noticed that there was a, a lot of McDonald's trash around one of the park benches. I didn't think a lot about it. But as I began to walk on, I just felt God impress on my heart, can you clean that up? And I'm like, who? <laughs> right? But I did. I, I was about to go on. I thought, you know, fine, let's do it. That was God's moving. I don't think anybody saw it, and that's great. But that for me, that was my journey. I'm trying to tune my ear to hear what God is saying because I sense his call in my life in that area and many others. Friends, I think if we will tune our ears to his voice, we'll hear his leading in some pretty unique places. It's unique to us, but it's his plan. Will you live into it today? Will you live into it today? I think we can often miss these opportunities to do good works because a lot of times they show up packaged as an interruption. They show up packaged as an inconvenience, a blip in your schedule. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Your phone's ringing off the hook. Your calendar's packed. A lot of times good works take time. And I'm listening. I'm learning very slowly that these interruptions and these inconveniences are really where God's trying to work in my life. To not look at things and interruptions as just happenstance, but maybe it's an opportunity for good works. What about us together what about us together as the body of Christ, as the East Rock Campus, Church of the Nazarene, a campus, a church that is one church in multiple locations? What's our call together? How do we engage good works together? What power is there in us coming together in unity to live out, to bear fruit? I think we can begin first by exhaling. I know I did. You can exhale knowing that God already has a plan. Praise the Lord. We don't have to be worried and anxious about what we're going to do. Our responsibility is to maintain together that merger, to partake in worship and, the, and to receiving communion, the elements, that worshiping together. And if we're faithful, if we're obedient, if we're listening to his call, we will know what we're to do together. 
So it's okay for us to take that step of faith, to just place our trust that He's got a plan for us today, that we don't have to do a survey, we don't have to get on a phone call campaign, we can just trust that God is going to lead us, but we need to respond in obedience, don't we? To listen to that subtle call together. We're on the cusp today of best week ever. It starts tonight with a worship night in Harrisonburg. We're on the cusp, the very beginning of opportunity to do good works together. There's been a lot of prayer and a lot of intentionality gone into planning this week. That's one opportunity we have to come together and show the good fruit, the good works that God has worked in our lives. We can give testimony to the goodness of His grace. Maybe it's partnering with EAUS or the food pantry, the other organizations that are helping in our community. Maybe it's child care. Maybe it's helping with the senior adults. Whatever it is, God has a plan for us today, friends. And that's good news. As the band begins to come today, we're going to respond in worship. We're going to give thanks for the plans that He already has before us. We're going to give thanks for the grace and the mercy that's alive within us. But as we close today, I just invite you. I invite you to consider the call to hold faith and works in a beautiful tension and row them together. And allow God to steer your life. Allow God to interrupt your schedule. And I'm saying that knowing my schedule is going to get wrecked this week. You'll have to see me live it. But it'll be good because it's His plan. He can see farther down the road and He knows more than we can ever know. He just asks us to trust Him. Are you in today? Are you in today? Have you responded to that call to be resurrected from the walking dead to new life in Christ? Are you in today? Are you willing to surrender whatever God's asking for you? Hey, if it's McDonald's trash in the park for you, great, we'll do it together. (laughs) But whatever it is, are you willing to say yes? You say, well, what, what exactly am I saying yes to? It's a blank contract, friends. But the one who is placing it before you is trustworthy. He will never lead you astray. He has his redemption narrative in view and he's going, won't you be a part of it today? Won't you be a part of it? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you today for your great grace and mercy, which, Lord God, you have called us forth. And Lord, there there was nothing we could have done. There's nothing we could do. But Lord, your provenient grace has gone before and called us to new life. And so, Lord, we say thank you for new life today. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just call us from the the realm of the walking dead, but, God, you have a plan that we're not just to sit around and wait for heaven, that, Lord, you want us to roll up our sleeves and to be about good works. God, may we, your people today, be found saying yes. Lord, may we say yes to interruptions. God, tune our hearts. This is not something we can just set out and do. It's a heart transformation, God. That we would be in such vital union with you that your grace and your mercy would just flow. Would just flow, Lord Jesus, through us to bear fruit for your kingdom. Do it in our hearts together, God, for your glory. And it's in your name we pray.
Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.